Mark chapter 8 in your Bibles. Mark chapter 8. There's a a verse that, by the way, a wonderful message this morning with Pastor Chris. And he he started out saying that this started up here a few months ago and started thinking about the ministry, the the message that he had there, which we all enjoyed and, and needed. But I was thinking about the message I planned to preach tonight. It started about 35 years ago in my heart and mind and uh, looking at it. So this is just kind of old stuff. I don't plan to share anything new with you. But <clears throat> the, the nice thing is, is when you are a retired pastor, as Brother Crichton and I are, uh, and others, I'm sure. But <clears throat> the nice thing is, is we've got thousands of sermons. And so it's trying to find one. I don't always look for the passage or subject. I look for the one I think can fit in the time slot that I've been given, you know, to make sure that I stop there at time uh, uh, on it. But thank the Lord for it as well. But Mark chapter 8, a special passage of Scripture. In fact, the pastor I know preached from this same passage just a few weeks ago, and beginning in verse 34. Mark 8 and 34 The Bible says in verse 34, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word of God that we have and the ministry of the word to our hearts by thy Holy Spirit. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll bless the word of God tonight as it's preached. And uh, these thoughts, Lord, nothing new, but Father, pray just to kind of underscore the need in our own lives that we might bring great honor and glory to our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray, amen. 57 years ago, Mary and I walked into the courthouse at Fairfax County, Virginia, to be able to get a marriage license because we were going to get married on March the 5th. So we walked into this austere-looking courthouse, and we come in there, and there's a a board they had up there, the old-time things from years ago, and it had everything listed up there, all the rooms that were there, rows of it, columns that were on this board on the whole side of the wall you know, the dog tags and the courthouse and the attorneys and the judge's office and the domestic court and the, and the children's court. All this was there. And so we're looking for the marriage license one, where to go. And so we're standing there looking. We're literally standing like this and looking up here. And all of a sudden we heard someone say, it's room 201. And I looked over here, and there had one of those corner offices with all glass. And the, the lady had the, the glass slid back over here. And uh, I looked over, and she was looking right at me. I said, uh, ma'am, are you talking to me? And she said, yes. 
It's room 201. I said, I'm sorry, what's room 201? And she said, where you get your marriage license. And I walked over and said, ma'am, help me understand. How did you know we were looking for a marriage license? She said, son, I've seen your kind come in here so many times. I knew exactly what you were looking for. I've often thought of that and that as a Christian, I wonder if people shouldn't be able to say, I've seen that kind before. There's something about his or her life, their walk, their talk, the way they conduct themselves. I've seen that kind, the kind that lets their light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And I think, Lord, honestly, that's the way I want people to see me as a Christian, that I can reflect the wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in our Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ is sharing some things with the disciples there, telling them about the importance of coming after him, and you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to be a good disciple of the Son of God. And then he tells us some things about life as well, and he goes on and runs through unsaved people, what shall a profit a man if he should gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? And you think, how many people lose their lives because they don't want to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And by the way, we all know that things are not getting easier for people to accept Christ as their Savior. They're not flooding to the Lord anymore. They seem to be rejecting the Lord more so, particularly because we're coming, as we all believe, to the last times, the last days of the Lord Jesus Christ coming. But why, why aren't more people even going into the ministry? Why aren't more Christians living the Christian life? Why don't we have a, a greater burden for God? How come we get misdirected sometimes and forget while we're even on planet Earth? Why did God leave us here? For heaven's sake, well, so you can be a great witness. Trust me, I could be a lot better witness if I were in heaven serving the Lord. Well, I want to see how you're going to live your life. I could live a whole lot better life if I had the new life in Jesus Christ, the born-again life, the, the, the saved part where you've got the new body, the new heart, the new mind, and don't have the world and the flesh and the devil to put up with. We could do a whole lot better if we were just taken directly to heaven. But he left us here. And there's a job to be done. And he's, he, Jesus speaking himself, he says some things to us, and particularly in verse 38 that I'd like to call your attention to, where he says, Whosoever therefore, Jesus speaking, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, when you look at something like that, you've read it through many times, just like I have. But have you ever stopped to ponder, you know, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me? I mean, what Christian is ashamed of Jesus? If I were to say, okay, all those of you that really haven't gotten on board, you're still ashamed of Jesus Christ, raise your hand. Well, nobody's going to raise their hand. Because all of us would testify that we're not ashamed of Jesus. And we're not ashamed of him at all. And I <clears throat> thought about that and ran through a few things on my mind looking at that. And I think, first of all, I don't want to be ashamed. 
I don't want, he said, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me. I certainly don't want to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we know the verse that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. <clears throat> in Romans 10 and verse 9. And we all use that in our Romans road and trying to share the gospel with some unsaved person. <clears throat> but then he goes down and he says, for whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So something takes place to make me different when I accept Christ as my Savior. I am not ashamed of the Lord at all. And we think, Lord, help us in making sure that we are not ashamed. He said, don't be ashamed of me. We don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. After all, he's done so much for us. And number two, he says, don't be ashamed of his word. He said, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Then also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father. And I think, Lord, I don't want to be ashamed of the Word of God. I remember back when I had just been saved, I was a student at the time at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. And while I was there, I was, uh, I was in a psychology class. And by the way, if you, if you haven't been in a secular school psychology class in college, you've really missed out on a lot in life. I mean, to be able to hear how wacko the teacher can be. And well, I've, I've often won, and I, I don't know everyone here. I'm just hoping and praying before I preach this that there are no psychologists or psychiatrists in here. But I've always wondered why people become one of those. And, and if you are, bless you. But I often think, maybe I just haven't figured out who I am, what I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, and they spend all that time <clears throat> on their minds, and they're, they're quick to be able to give out. I was, I was talking with, with someone uh, <clears throat> in, the, in the last week uh, about needs, and they had seen <clears throat> a psychologist and found out that they were clinically depressed. And I think so many times we hear these medical terms, and we, they use them to scapegoat the Word of God. Instead of saying, well, you're living in sin because you haven't turned your life over to God, or you don't have the peace that passes all understanding, that's sin. But we can give you a pill for that, take care of it so you can slide through and not have to worry about it. But I remember I was, <clears throat> I was listening to this, this our psychology teacher, and uh, we had about 35 or 40 students in the class, <clears throat> and I had just been saved less than a year. And I went to him after the, ser after the service, after the Oh, struggle. Uh, after the time of the class and asked for an appointment, I went to see him that afternoon and I started talking to him about the Lord. And I said, I, I'm a Christian and I wanted to share some things with you and, and looked at some things in the Bible because I knew they got lost as he could be. And I said, and here you're teaching all these young people. I was a little bit older. I was 21 uh, because I went three years in, in the military before I went into college. And, and so I was a little bit older. I said, these other young people are here, and you're telling them this, that we evolved from animals. And, and, uh, and I'll never forget, the, the teacher looked at me, and he said, you're a fundamentalist, aren't you? I thought, honestly, I thought, I don't know if I've got that or not. I, I, mean, I thought it was a disease or something. I'd never heard the word in my life at that time. I was 21 years old. I'd never heard the word fundamentalist. And I said, I don't know. All I know is I believe the Bible, and this is what the Bible says, that God created man, and we didn't just kind of happen along the way. Well, he, he, he got the message, 
and, uh, and left and, and was on the quarter system, finished up that, that quarter, and the very last class, 50 minute long, he, he taught for 40 minutes and he stopped, he closed up his papers, and he said, class, he said, one of our students in this class has not agreed with anything I've said this whole last quarter. And he said, and that's Bud Calvert. I remember I was sitting over here on the side. And he said, I'm going to ask him to come up here and I'm going to give Bud the last 10 minutes of this class to say whatever he wants to say. I went up there. <clears throat> I had my Bible in my hand. <clears throat> uh, and I didn't know it, hardly anything in the Bible. I knew the Romans wrote. So I quickly went through that. <clears throat> I had 10 minutes. So I finished that in about two minutes. And I still had some more talking to be able to do <clears throat> and share with them how God created us, and how we have to give an account to the Lord someday. I learned back in those days that I don't want to be ashamed at all of Jesus or of the Word of God. This fundamental, and I know that word's not real popular today, but it simply means we believe what God believes. (laughs) We believe the truth is given to us by Almighty God, not made up by man. We don't have to wait for any more truth to be revealed to us. We've got it all right here. Everything that pertains to life and godliness in the book. So I've got it all. The Lord's given us everything. But then I also start thinking about, well, we don't want to be ashamed, he said, of, of him, Jesus. We don't want to be ashamed of the word of God. But then we also know there in the book of Romans that Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also to the Greek in um, Romans 1.16, I think, Lord, how important that is. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. That's why the emphasis here in this church is talking to other people about Christ. That's why we have plenty of tracks out there that uh, Ms. Flo puts together for all of us. And We've got opportunity to grab a, a bundle of 50 and go out and pass them out. Door hangers, put them on doors out there. And we all have that privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others and talking to people as well about the Lord Jesus Christ and that wonderful gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we heard it quoted here uh, tonight. But I think, Lord, help us in this. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. I certainly don't want to be ashamed of the word of God. And I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. So we say, well, hey, I'm not ashamed. Now, part two of my message tonight. So none of us would say, oh, I am a little ashamed of the Lord. You know, I know what you say about the Bible. I'm just not sure about the Bible. Is it this KJV or is it one of these others out there? And I, I'm just not sure. about. And I know about the gospel. I've just, as I've heard people say before, I, that's just not my calling to be able to talk to people about Jesus. Well, I'll have you know it's not a calling. Uh, it's a response to be obedient to Almighty God, a command of the Lord. But here's the thing. I'm simply saying none of us, would agree or say, yes, I'm somewhat ashamed of the Lord at all. But now ask that to yourself as I say a few more things here. So these are, I am not to be ashamed, in the Bible it says, of Jesus, of the word of God, or of the gospel. Now it also tells us how not to be ashamed in the Bible. So here's how not to be ashamed. And you might jot this down if you're taking notes. Jot it down and think about it for a moment. We're not to be ashamed by studying the word of God in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be 
ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he says, hey, listen, there's a way not to be ashamed, and that's by studying the word of God, not just reading it, studying the word of God, making it a part of your life and looking at it and think, that's how I have victory in my life. Wherewith those shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So I want to take time with God, take time with the Bible. The psalmist said, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Really? I think, Lord, help me. As even with Joshua, you know, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And we know the only time in the Bible is there. But I think that's how not to be ashamed. So stop and ask yourself, am I ashamed of the Lord? <clears throat> Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And Psalm 119, 133, I can get in the word of God. God can help me. Order my steps in thy word, the psalmist said <clears throat> as well. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so in Acts 17, 11. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, I remind us of. God wants us in the book all the time. He wants us staying in it. He wants us to immerse ourselves in it. We sit back here and look, and all these gentlemen that got up here tonight and and quoted the Bible, and praised the Lord for every single one of them and every Bible verse that was there, and thanked the Lord for them all. But how many of those did you know? Were you able to quote it along with them? And I'm simply saying, you say, well, that's nice for those guys. It's nice for everyone to get into it, the Bible. And it's not easy. So, well, I just can't. You can, you just don't. It's that simple, folks. I mean, God talks to us about it. Daily searching the scriptures. Do you read the Bible every day? I mean, daily? Every day? <clears throat> I had a, I had a uh, Bible teacher as a freshman, and I'll never forget the guy because he gave us these little quizzes every week, and one of the questions every week was, and he had a prescribed thing, a chapter a day we had to read, and I think I've got to read a chapter every single day. And uh, so seven days and every week we'd have a quiz. One of the questions was, <clears throat> did you have that? Uh, it was an A, D, or F qu quiz. A, if you got all five right. If you missed one, it's a D. And if you missed more than one, it's an F. So it was an A, D, or F test. And so uh, every week I, I was not getting it because he said you had to do it one day, one, one chapter, one day. And I thought... He doesn't understand. I'm a freshman in college. I've been saved a year. I've married a wife. Uh, and now she is expecting our one and only child. And I have to work outside. And I have to study. And I've been out of school for seven or eight years without, never, never finished, never went to high school. So I had a long road to go. It took me a lot of work to get up and get everything done right and working on it. He doesn't, so I went in to talk to him. And I said, I, this, this is my situation. 
I read that on Saturday, I read all the seven chapters, but I don't have time to read a chapter every day. And he said, well, that's okay. But you're still going to get an F every time for that, for not getting it. <laughs> and, and so I thought, that old man, I, I, listen, this guy's pushing 50, I know. I thought, this old guy, he has no respect for young people at all. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, I'm going to start it. And I did. I, I read one chapter on Monday, one on Tuesday, went, and I read seven chapters one day at a time. And I thought, I hope the guy's happy. And I had to do that, but I passed the course finally uh, and caught up with it uh, because it wouldn't bend. But that's one of the most important lessons I ever learned in life. Every single day. I want to get into the Word of God. And you set us up and say, well, I'm awfully busy. If you're too busy to read the Bible every single day, you're too busy. And what you're really saying is, is that I have some higher priorities than this. I have to get on Facebook. I mean, if I don't, and I miss the message that one of my relatives put on there, oh, I've... I've got to spend time on the phone. I mean, listen, these texts, they keep popping in here. And, and I've got, I mean, this program, I can't miss that football game. It's there. <clears throat> I've got to see it. I'm just saying daily in the word. Search the scriptures. <clears throat> so he said, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed by rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's not just knowing it, but it's being able to rightly divide it, understand it, see how it all works and applies to our life. So get in the Word of God, study it, make it part of your life to where you're going to enjoy it, and it's going to be that which builds you up, because that is the Bible. That's what builds us up. And I mentioned last week that, that you know people don't know the will of God because they don't know the Word of God. Get into the Bible. And if you can't figure it out, you seek counsel and help, surely. But stay in the Bible. Make it part of your life. But a second thing he tells us, not only I can prove I'm not ashamed by my study of the Bible, and it has nothing to do with whether you're called into the ministry. Everyone has a responsibility of loving the Word of God uh, and uh, making sure it's, it's part of our life. By the way, I, I think about um, Job. A verse just came out of my said, Neither have I gone back from the commandments of thy lips, Job said, but I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food in Job 23, 12. And I think, Lord, more important than that turkey sandwich, more important than a hamburger at Culver's, more important than a nice fish somewhere, more important than anything else, Job said, I look at this a lot more important than anything I would eat. And so if you've got time for three meals a day and you don't have time for the holy book, your priorities are goofed up. A second thing, <clears throat> look in your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Hold your place here. We'll be right back. <clears throat> but in 1 John <clears throat> and chapter 2, <clears throat> this next thing is by standing in him or <clears throat> abiding in him is the word <clears throat> uh, here that uh, we're looking at that, that uh, God uses. <clears throat> but I think, Lord, <clears throat> I want to make sure I am abiding in Christ, standing in the Lord. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> and, the, <clears throat> and the Bible gives us the instructions on how I'm to live for the Lord. And 
being able to be right with the Lord. So in 1 John 2 and verse 2, uh, and it says, and here's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then he says in verse 28, and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So abiding in Christ helps me realizing I am safe and secure in the Lord Jesus. I run to the tower. I run to almighty God and I am secure in Jesus Christ. He's paid it all. And so he gives me the comfort of the Holy Spirit in my life all the time. So I look at that and I think, thank the Lord for the privilege I have of being in Christ and abiding in him. Make sure you don't get outside. I remember reading a story one time about a, a man that had been out on a business trip and he'd been gone for a week or two and he came back home. He had a couple of little kids. He had one little child who was about three years old and another child that was eight years old. And they were upstairs and they heard daddy come in about nine o'clock that night and they came running, came running down the steps and they two stood there in the door, waited for the, when their dad walked in and right away the kids just broke out and ran up to him and the older girl got there first, of course, threw her arms around her daddy and said, oh, daddy, daddy, we're so glad you're home. Missed you, daddy. I love you, daddy. And the little three-year-old was standing back over in the doorway and kind of a tear starting to run down because she was disappointed because the older sister beat her out. And so the daddy beckoned her to come over and the little three-year-old comes over and he reaches down and picks her up, holds the little three-year-old in his arms, and she looks down at her oldest sister and says, you may have all of daddy, but daddy has all of me. Abiding in Christ. It's so easy for me to get out of that and say, well, I'll, I'll work this out myself. I'll, I'll do this on my own. Abiding in Christ, that's the safest place to be always most wonderful thing I, I i think of the bible it says uh, tells us to put on uh, all the armor of god and put it all on and take heed that you stand for the lord as well and having done all to stand stand therefore having your lords girt about with truth and so i think lord i want to stand i want to abide with the lord jesus christ in my life and i want to make sure i am doing right by god in every way that Christ himself is working in my life. A third thing, I think, okay, I'm not, I'm not to be ashamed of Jesus, I'm not to be ashamed of his word, and I'm not to be ashamed of the gospel. How do I prove that I'm not? By studying the word of God, by standing or abiding in Jesus Christ. But there's a third thing as well, and that is by soul winning, by soul winning, knocking on doors, witnessing to people, <clears throat> Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, 54, he said, he said, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And I think, Lord, in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, I don't want to be ashamed. So he says, awake to righteousness. I mean, wake up. There are people without a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. People have never received Christ as their Savior. So awake to righteousness and sin not because God wants to see everyone saved because some have not the knowledge of God and they want 
God wants everyone to be able to hear of the Lord and reaching other people for Jesus Christ. And I think about how important it is for all of us in the church and caring about other people, taking the tracts, the admonition that our pastor has given us in the month of December to pass out more tracts than you've ever passed out before, uh, for all of us in passing them out and talking to people about the Lord. And that's something we each have the responsibility of doing all the time and talking to people about our blessed Lord. And you think about reaching other people for Christ, and there are a lot of ways, but I'm saying we've got to be living in the end times. It's got to be getting closer to when Jesus is coming back, and we want to be faithful in talking to other people about the Lord. And there are a lot of different ways to do it. The thing is to do it, to seek to reach others for Jesus Christ, and to really have the burden. And sometimes you have loved ones, moms or dads or sons or daughters that have never been saved and that's a burden. That's, that's a heartache. I've been there and done that. So I know what that's like. That's tough. That's difficult. I remember when I was first saved, my, I got saved mainly because my mother and then my wife, uh, before when we were just dating, I got saved. But I remember when I got saved, I, I was one of six children in our family. And my mom was the, the leader in the home spiritually. My dad was lost. And I remember right away, getting a burden for my dad. While I was there at East Carolina, uh, I, w- I went to the church there, a little church, country church, and went over to the pastor's house, and we had a time of uh, praying, and then I'd go out soul winning with him and some others there that would meet at his house and go out. But I remember one time I was there with the pastor, uh, and I, I, again, saved a year or less, and talking to him, we're down on our knees by his couch, and we were praying. He prayed, and then I prayed, and then I started praying for my dad to get saved, uh, and I started crying, and I stopped right away because I got embarrassed, and went and prayed again and talked about my dad getting saved, not wanting to see him die and go to hell, and it really concerned me, and I was burdened about it, and and, uh, so I felt the tears coming on again, and I stopped, and right about that time, the pastor reached over and put his arm around me. He said, Bud... He said, don't ever stop the tears for lost souls. And so I just went ahead and cried the rest of the night there before I went back out. But I learned this. Back, by the way, then I got, that's when I got called into ministry. I was at, in Greenville, North Carolina, East Carolina University. Then went off to transfer to Bob Jones University. And uh, while I was there in my junior year, I talked to my dad every time he came, and he never would get saved. And so finally, there was a, a cemetery right across the street from our trailer court where we lived. And I took my dad over there, and we walked around over there and came back. He didn't want anything to do with it, stopped. And uh, right there, we had a little concrete patio in front of our trailer. And I was standing there, or it was a mobile home, uh, in front of our mobile home. And I was standing there talking to my dad. And while we were talking, he still didn't want to, but I was, I was begging my dad. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. And I wanted to bring the sheep with me. And I just begged him. I thought about <clears throat> there in Luke 14, I believe it is, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. I mean, really do something to reach someone for Christ. Care a little bit about them. Be burdened for them. And so I... I kept praying, I, and I just stood there. I said, Dad, you have to get saved. You have to. I said, I, I can't stand the thought anymore or longer going to heaven and leaving you down here on this earth or buried underneath. 
uh, and uh, not being in heaven. And I begged my dad. And finally, he said, okay. And he bowed his head in front of our trailer and prayed and asked God to save him. We stepped inside the trailer. <clears throat> he told my mother and told my wife that he just got saved. And we rejoiced with him. When I graduated later and uh, went off to Fairfax and started a church, uh, he came to our second official service that we had. He was there, and he was an usher in our church for many years until the Lord took him home. I'm saying, care about somebody. It may be your next-door neighbor, but if you have a relative that's still without Christ, don't let them go, but think, think it through there and talking to them about the Lord. Say, well, you've got to work a little bit. It takes a little bit of effort, and it takes a little bit of concern that's there, but we can get it. We can have that uh, in our life as well. And it takes a little bit of boldness, a little bit of holiness, a little desire to be able to hand a track, but you, you think about witnessing to people and uh, doing for others, and, and you carry your tracks however you want to carry them. I always carry them in my wallet. But to be able to give someone a track, it doesn't take a lot to say, hey, want to give you something good to read about heaven. You say, yeah, but you can say that because you graduated from Bible college. No, that's because I'm a Christian, and I've got the good news, and I want to tell other people about the good news about Jesus Christ. And we have the responsibility of doing that. And I think, Lord, help me with that. Because it's not easy. I don't care who you are. I've always gotten a, a lot of comfort and encouragement from the last chapter of, of uh, book of Ephesians there with the Apostle Paul when he's <clears throat> talked about putting on all the armor of God. And then at the end he said, and pray for me. Okay, Paul, greatest missionary ever walked the face of the earth. Paul, what, what is it you want prayers for? Uh, you looking for a spouse? Are you just looking for a new, new house you need, another tent or something? What, what, you're getting tired of donkeys? You want a camel? I mean, what, what is it? He said, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel of Christ. In Ephesians 6.18. I think, wow, Paul prayed for boldness? Maybe, maybe I'm not unusual if I get scared going out knocking on doors, which I try to do every week. And I think, Lord, help me, because I go through that again. Like, or talking to the person at the restaurant or sharing something at, at the grocery store or handing it to, and pray for them and think, certainly God has blessed us and it can do it for the Lord. When I was... When I graduated from school, my, uh, my mom and dad were there for our graduation, and, uh, and she had been uh, told that she just had a, a nerve problem, and so she was kind of limping on one, one side of her body, her arm and her hand, and her smile wasn't, you know, wouldn't smile on one half of it, and, and they just said, you need to relax and slow down a little bit. So she was trying all of that. And then I went out on an ensemble that summer, uh, and, uh, and a couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from my wife. We were in the Midwest. We went to 85 churches then, and, and I got a phone call from my wife and, and was talking to her and said that um, we just took your mom into the hospital, and they 
uh, found out she has a brain tumor that they misdiagnosed her for six months. And so they took her in for that, <clears throat> Mary and my older sister. And uh, <clears throat> so I went home right away, uh, left the ensemble, uh, caught a flight, went to D.C., and uh, was there for the surgery my mother was going to have. And so <clears throat> uh, they were having this, <clears throat> having the, going through the surgery. We saw her. We had, I had five siblings. We're all standing around, and a couple of us were married at the time. Our spouses were all around my mother's bed, and we're standing around the, <clears throat> the bed, <clears throat> and I'm standing there at the, the head of the bed where my mother's head was, and uh, my other siblings were around, and Mary was right here beside me. And so we were just kind of talking. They're getting ready to take her in for surgery for a brain tumor that she had. And uh, we were all talking, and then my mother said something. Well, by this time, you could hardly hear her, and it was just barely words coming out. And so I, I, she said something, and not, we were all chatting, chattering, and no one heard it. I said, what did, what did you say, Mom? And she said, pray for me that I'll be a bold witness. I thought, whoa, this woman's going in to have her brain surgically worked on, and she's concerned about being a bold witness? And I don't mind telling you, I'm thrilled to death, so I'm, I'm putting a little action. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, so she wanted two tracks. So I reached in my wallet where I carry them, did then and do now, gave her two tracks to give <clears throat> to the two surgeons that were there. And so <clears throat> she had those, and lying right there on her thing. So then they, they were coming in to get her, and they said, asked everybody to go down in the waiting room. So we all went down in the waiting room. I went down there, and we were sitting there in the waiting room after they came in to take her out. And then I was sitting down, and this was like from here to the hallway out in the back here. And my little sister, who was 12 years old at the time, she came running down the hallway and came up and said, Bud, bud, quick, mom needs two more. She forgot about the guys on the stretcher. <laughs> Gave her two more tracks. <clears throat> she ran out. By the way, that was my little 12-year-old sister is now 65 years old. And I got a message from her this morning that she got bad numbers on her cancer that she has. And it's gone up, getting worse, and it's a very aggressive cancer. Her name is Ellen. She's a pastor's wife in Independent Baptist Church. Appreciate your prayers for her. But I think... Lord, so many times I thought, I need that same kind of boldness. I don't care who you are, you need boldness. It doesn't come natural. But I want to I make my life count for Jesus Christ. He's coming back again soon, and that's what he tells us as well. <clears throat> Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he cometh to in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If he came back tonight, would you be ashamed because of your Bible reading, studying, memorizing, meditating? Would you be ashamed because maybe you haven't really realized that you belong to God completely? Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. Would you be ashamed because you haven't really been witnessing, caring, talking with other people about the Lord? Would it impact you that maybe I haven't really been 
the man of God or the woman of God or the young person for God that I need to be, then I say tonight, take time. Just take the time to be holy and to be right with Almighty God, to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Jesus. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word of God. I am thankful, dear Lord, that we don't have to be ashamed of our Lord. And Father, I, I think we would all quickly respond and say, well, certainly I'm not ashamed of Jesus or of the Bible or of witnessing or standing in the Lord and abiding in Christ. Certainly we're not ashamed. But God, as we read on further, maybe, maybe that's why we're not the witness we ought to be. Maybe that's why I'm not faithfully reading my Bible. Maybe that's why I'm not the Christian that you know that I am and that I want to be. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.